Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Very nice. So you look very Carrie Bradshaw in your silk. I'm wearing my pajamas and a scrunchie and ode to all things she hates. Um, I've just realised that I, my quick time is saying this might be a question for Tom, but my quick time is saying I don't have enough storage. Have you been enjoying these? Sex and the City. The, yeah. And just like that. Oof. I mean. <laughs> um. Yeah. I. They don't know why we're watching it. They don't know what we're hoping to see. They just, I think the writer have got themselves in a tizzy about, we've got to update it. And it's like, no, you need to make it not racist and not transphobic and not homophobic. Yeah. But then get on with the business of being glamorous and sex and, you know. And having some actual sex, which it took contemporary stuff for anybody to have. And. I'm recording, by the way. I finally, it's working. Oh, yay. Yes. Right. Okay. All right. I'll do a bit of opening titles. Great. The Spontaneity Shop presents the Guilty Feminist Watchers and just like that, the Sex and the City Reheal with me, Deborah Francis-White and my special guest, Catherine Bohart. Episode 5, Tragically Hip. 
So interesting questions for you. I shouldn't say they're interesting. You should be the judge of that. Question, <laughs> question for you, Catherine Bohart. What's your history with Sex and the City? Oh, it's very specific. I was not allowed to watch it. I only ever watched it when I was being babysat by a girl who was about 17 when I was about um, maybe 9, 10, 11. And I, oh, maybe I need to do the math on this. What age would I have been? But yeah, um, the point is that I tie it to those darkly lit, like lamps off, quietly watching, knowing I had to run upstairs if my parents drove into the driveway. And also massively fancying my babysitter. So my history is watching it in the dark and then also being like, oh my God, oh my God. And so this was a sort of titillating, low-lit situation for you. Oh my God, absolutely. It was very exciting. And also I just remember being like, the clothes were fabulous, but also the world felt so big. It was like, I watched it in this tiny little village, in a tiny little room, in a tiny little, you know, I guess in breaking a tiny little rule and um, they were living this huge life. So yeah, I think mm. my association is that it was sort of such an expansive thing that I was accessing in such a like charged setting. Where were you? What was the village? Oh, I was, I grew up in a tiny village in Dublin, in Clonsilla and, um, and my babysitter was from a town, a village over and it was all very exciting. Because Jessica Regan did this podcast and so did Alison Spittle. And they both talked about watching it in Ireland mm. and it making them want to go to a big city. Absolutely. They both watched it in a, in a, not a metropolitan part of Ireland. And both of them were like, it seemed so glamorous and I wanted to go there and I wanted to be. And Jess Regan said it's one of the reasons she lives in London because she watched it and thought, well, that's out there and I, I could go and live in a big city like that. And then I got a message this week. Someone made a story that said, um, because of listening to you and Jessica Regan talking about this, I've decided I'm going to come and live in London. I've made this big decision. I'm definitely doing it. And I was like, I don't think you should make your life decisions based on what Jessica Regan and I <laughs> or Catherine Bohart and I say on a podcast. Just I to fundamentally be very clear. disagree. I think you should. I think you should move to London. Do it. You should I think definitely you should. move to London, but just be aware that we may say anything. Yeah, no, that's true. And also that it takes a while to get people to sit with you in fours at brunch. So, you know, just... Don't feel bad if you, you only meet one person for brunch for a while. That's actually a very, very good note. Yeah. Uh, I, listen, I'm delighted. I think that's a good decision. <laughs> Always a good decision to move somewhere bold and somewhere where there's lots of opportunity. That's never a bad yes. decision. Even if you try it and you don't like it, you you know that you did it. And I think that's it. it is, it's about having tried it and known that you tried it. I think, yeah, I think it was probably as exciting and thing for me too and probably did lead to me wanting to live in a bigger place um, amongst other television shows but I think television was my access point to so much of the world when you live in such a tiny place that it's where you it's how you time travel it's how you see the world and it's um, yeah they were really exciting also they were so non-religious like it wasn't even a factor in this show which was really exciting Yes, because is your family very religious? Yeah, I was raised Catholic and my dad's a Catholic deacon now. So, um, yeah, very religious. And also went to a religious school. I'm from a very tight-knit parish. Um, and so, yeah, everything was tinged with, I'd say even overlaid with religion. Mm. 
And so it was exciting. The only religion in Sex of the City that I remember is uh, when Big went to church with his mother and when Samantha tried to seduce a monk uh, who was doing good things for the community who she referred to as Friar Fark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he that, was very and handsome. The, and um, obviously Charlotte's conversion. Oh, yes. Yes. Charlotte converted to Judaism. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, she discovered that the rabbi played hard to get because in the Jewish religion, they say no. They keep saying no until they're not evangelizers and until you have to go and I think ask three times before That's they right. say, okay, all right, you clearly really want it. That's right. And, uh, and, but she has to go to classes and, and learn properly. Um, there probably are other instances of religion that we will think of. No doubt. People will, people will no doubt tweet us. They will. They will. Yes. So, quick recap of this yes. episode. Carrie suddenly has a back problem. We've never seen this before, and we have seen her running through New York in stilettos for literally decades now. When would you I don't know if we've seen her running in stilettos in this this re reheal. But, but in the last episode or the episode before, she walked for like six hours in heels around New York to find That's right. Mr. Biggs. Yeah, ex-wife or ex-fiance, yeah. That's right. And also she said that walking was the only thing that helped. Do you remember yeah. that? And uh so she was walking for hours, but she suddenly has a back problem. And this is, I think, meant to play into the idea that they're old now. Uh and uh, I'm like you know, you're in your fifties, really. You've got you've got to have a hip operation, which is what immediately happens. Yeah. Anyone listening to this should know that each week there are spoilers because we we're going to deconstruct it. As if you're going to have trouble getting up or downstairs. I thought, but then I must admit, this morning <laughs> I was getting downstairs. Uh, I was instead of walking downstairs regularly, I was putting one foot on the stair and then the next foot on the stair. And Tom said, "What's wrong?" And I said, "Oh, in the morning I have a problem with my Achilles heel, and so I just have to wake it up very slowly." And I was like laughing, thinking, <laughs> "This is implausible! Oh my yeah. God, these women aren't old." Um, but when she goes to the doctor, the doctor says, "It's not your back; it's your hip." Lol, tragically hip, hip operation, but it is a congenital issue that has just uh, been agitated, possibly because of all this walking around that she's been doing. So don't worry, guys, she's not old. She's actually had it since birth and the medical system has overlooked it. Overlooked Sweet. it. Sweet. Or perhaps because she's, we know she's not an exerciser, this excessive yes. walking that she's doing has brought it on. Perhaps they haven't said that. Um, mm. But she has to have a hip operation and the rest of the plot really moves around that. They all have to take turns looking after her because she's alone. And her boss, who is non-binary and Miranda has been having a flirtation with, uh, turns up while she's asleep. And Miranda has some tequila shots with her. It's been indicated in quite a heavy-handed way over all of the previous episodes that Miranda has a drinking problem. Miranda does shots in Carrie's house. Uh, Miranda has a shotgun in Carrie's uh, apartment, which is an American term for when somebody takes a toke of a joint or a bong and then blows that smoke into your mouth. And one thing leads to shagging. And 
Carrie sees in her mirror the reflection of Shay and Miranda in the kitchen having sex, is horrified to see this, also uh, can't get her attention to ask for help. She needs to go to the loo. There's been a lot of signalling that, oh, I would die if anybody saw uh, my pee. I would definitely wouldn't use a bedpan. She's already been helped to the loo in the hospital. She has to pee in an empty bottle and ends up wetting her sheets and then is very furious with Miranda. And they have it out and Miranda admits that she is drinking too much and she is, in fact, unhappy in her marriage. And that is why she is having this encounter with Shay. Meanwhile, Charlotte's child, formerly known as Rose, has declared to the school, but not to their parents, that they want to be called Rock and they want the pronoun they. And uh, when Rock is challenged on this, they say, well, I made a TikTok, didn't you see it? Charlotte and Harry go down to the school and the school say, well, we take our lead from the child. And they say, well, it would have been nice to have been told. And they don't know how seriously to take it, whether this is something that she's trying on as a 12-year-old or whether or not this is something more serious and permanent. But either way, Charlotte decides that the best thing to do is to be supportive. But we see a little bit of grief there because for her, she had her experience was having a daughter called Rose and she's feeling rather sad that now she has a child called Rock. And we see a little of that grief expressed to Carrie. Oh, the only other thing is that I think is significant is that Carrie shows up for her physio, gets a super hot physio, and then comes out and they're like, uh, insurance doesn't cover the hot guy. Um, the, you have to go with this other guy who we're supposed to be appalled by because he's not as hot as the first guy. And then Carrie's like, it's cool, I'll pay out of pocket because despite the fact that my husband died two months ago and I haven't mentioned him, even though I'm having quite an intense surgery, it turns out all I really want out of the situation isn't comfort, but a hot PT. Let's do this. So it's beautiful. I think she feels she's going to be more incentivized by this very gorgeous man. And... I know what you're saying, but I might push back and say, I relate to that. Have you ever had a hot personal trainer where you thought, I will actually show up for this guy or this woman? I've never had a personal trainer, Deborah. <laughs> what are you talking about? The thing is, I have, but I've always gone off them because they keep making me exercise. Oh, gosh, every time. I mean, you think, you think, you think, oh, wow, I'm going to want to do what this guy says. No. No, no, you don't. no, that sounds like a nightmare. Um, no, what I thought was funny was that she had this incredibly heavy duty surgery and never once mentions missing my very that. recently dead spouse. I thought that. I thought that was strange. Uh, I must admit, I thought, wouldn't you say to your friends, you know, if Big were here, he would he would take care of me. He would be carrying me to the door instead of a delivery man. That was strange as well. That Anthony, very odd. Anthony put her in the back of his bread delivery van yeah. and then had a hot delivery buff gay man carry her to the door. And I was like, I'm not sure this is any of this is safe or medically sound. She's a very wealthy, glamorous woman. Would she be in the back of a van? It seemed strange and to also, me. And isn't also, like, isn't she recovering from a very intense surgery on her hip? It feels like a stable seat would be... At, so the, much, at the bare minimum, a requirement. So much better. Yeah. <laughs> the joke there. is she's carried to the door by a very hot man and then she has a very hot physio. Um, but that part, I was like, I think it's like, 
I think it's Winky. Yeah. And I think in that part, they're they're trying to remember why we ever tuned in. So I oh, know yeah. what you're saying that, oh, this guy who isn't, you know, stereotypically attractive, or oh, I'm not sure I want him as much of as a physio. I know. But I I actually would rather that than the painful attempts to catch up with the 21st century. Oh, let's be clear. It's not the least of my issues with this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I sort of think, well, oh, he's a cute guy. I'd rather have him as my PT than yeah. the less cute guy is sort of, is why people are tuning in. Nostalgia yeah. for, you know, cute guys and cute shoes and yeah. minimal things. First world uptown issues. The objectification um, of the physiotherapist is not my biggest issue with this episode. For it sure. Really, for it, sure. It it should not be. But also, while there's no reference to Big, and I see why they're doing that, they're just going, let's forget about him so we can crack on with her dating other men. <laughs> there's this strange reference to Samantha all the time. Because we really could have forgotten about Samantha by now, because she's a friend who moved to London years ago. But she texts Samantha because while she's been under the influence of painkillers, she's opened up in the way that Shay's always wanted to her on the podcast and said too much in inverted commas. And she tells a story about Samantha Jones helping her with her diaphragm and her, her birth control and having to go up there and pull it out. And that's what a real friend does. Charlotte says, mm, you called her by her full name. I think you maybe should mention it to her in case she hears it. So she texts Samantha and Samantha texts back and says, oh, I'm delighted to hear this. I'm glad your vagina is getting some airtime, which is very on brand for Samantha. And then she texts Samantha, I miss you. And Samantha texts back, dot, dot, dot. We see her, she's going to text back and then she doesn't say anything. Now, IRL, Catherine. Yes. Massive fallout with Kim Cattrall. Uh-huh. But this is promising that we are going to see her, that she's going to make a cameo. It is, it's... Otherwise, what are we doing? Yeah, it's very odd. To me, the only other logical explanation is that they're going to reveal the reason that Carrie and Samantha actually fell out is because they hooked up and one of them wanted more from it and the other didn't. Because the level of tension with which we were watching these like buttons move as as she waited for her to type was so like, oh, they're lovers. Like it, it was just so intense. It's like you would have absolutely forgotten about it. So yeah, I think she must be either showing up or... They're somehow hoping they can coerce her by virtue of plot and narrative to show up. It's odd. This is my theory and has been my theory since episode one. There are messages in this show that they believe Kim Cattrall will either watch or hear about that are very much saying, we miss you. Yeah. We want you back. Yeah. If this show is a hit and everyone's talking about it and you regret it, you think, God, why didn't I do that? That's it's crazy. Like, what? When else am I going to get offered a role like this again? I might as well be taking the money. The offer's still there, and we miss you. And we don't really know what happened, and we don't really know why you're so upset. But we'd love to have you back. I think these are messages to Kim Cattrall. I know it's madness, but I can't see any other reason. Otherwise, no, no, I completely agree with you. I escalate completely... this relationship with Seema. Yeah, who's clearly supposed to be the new Samantha. It's like, why don't we let her have an opportunity to go to brunch? Why does Anthony have to be there every time? Although he does add a certain pizzazz and I do enjoy his company. Yeah, well, also I feel very bad for Stanford because I think there should have been a proper send-off for Stanford. I know the actor died, so th- yeah. but I we talked last week about perhaps having a scene where Anthony and... Carrie were at the airport watching a plane leave and she was 
upset, you know, like he would yeah. never break up with her on a poster. He just wouldn't I do know. that. And now Anthony is just sitting in his seat. I know. It's with really no odd. reference to him. Why it's is she really not odd. texting Stanny? Yeah, well, they could have had an email exchange. They could have absolutely had. Te- he, Stanford could have texted her back. I, yeah. I feel like Stanford's, I, I feel sad for what the writers have done with Stanford. He I, got shortchanged. I, I'm a feminist, but I don't think a lot of the men in this show have had a great treatment like Oh my Steve. gosh. Can we talk about Steve? And we talk Harry about Steve. gets to play a role. Steve is being maligned left, right, and center, never gets a voice. And it like, insofar as he has any representation, it's, oh, your man can't hear anymore. What an old bore. And it's like, what? That's really, really, really. I feel very sorry for, I thought they were maybe trying to do disability representation in him losing his hearing, but he was always this kind of young very energized, very good guy. In fact, if anything, he was childish. You know, yeah. he was the guy watching Scooby-Doo and not taking things seriously. Yeah. And they had a great rapport. I really think they should have started this season with two of them co-parenting, but not being together because Agreed. it had run its course. He's got a fabulous hot girlfriend. Agreed. She's single, ready to mingle, thinking she's looking for men, not quite finding what she wants, and then meeting Shay and thinking, oh, why Agreed. does she have to cheat on Steve? Why? Why? But al- I don't also, understand it. What's frustrating about this entire? Are, are we, can we go to the lesbian sex? Can we? Can we go to the sex with Shay? Because are we calling that lesbian sex? I don't know. But I feel like, on the one hand, first of all, why does the best sex Miranda's ever had in her life have to be jump cut with Carrie needing to pee? I was so disappointed, Catherine, because I thought we've been waiting for this titillating, exciting moment. Yeah. That is about this thing for Miranda. Yeah. And I expected that she would talk to Steve before she did it so we could just fully enjoy it. But it's a drama. I understand. You know, I'm not I'm not expecting, you know, I I hate it when people can't have a story because people are doing the wrong thing. I, I just feel like that relationship with Steve is so over, just might as well end it, but fine, whatever. We still would have enjoyed it. But I could not find it titillating at all because I they keep cutting between that and yep. yeah, 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 peeing yeah. So, in a bottle. Yep. So first of all, why did that have to be the case? Secondly, why then like after having this completely unfunny but nonetheless like very specific comedy set by Shay that says that queer people can be happy, queer people can be more than just your shaman for gender identity. And yet, Miranda is devastated by this queer discovery in terms of like, it's a sad ending. She's just like, and now I've realized I'm unhappy in everything in my life. It's not like this profound, exciting revelation. On top of which, Shay is like incredibly unprofessional, incredibly callous with Miranda afterwards. And then only ever exists really to teach them about gender or queerness and I'm like take your own notes writers take your own notes but mainly that should have been a hot sex scene and the kiss was hot but it's like I cannot be doing it when I'm thinking about how much Carrie needs to pee I don't want to think about Snapple a hundred percent because it's so it's not like (sighs) there's nothing about it in which Carrie is a voyeur or going oh my god this is quite exciting or and I shouldn't be looking at this there's which I would would be odd as well, but like there's nothing sexy about someone being in the next room. There is only 
she's trying to do this very, and we know how she feels about it as well. We know she feels humiliated about not being able to pee in the regular way. We know Mm -hmm. that she feels incapacitated and all of those things that one can feel if one is uh, newly disabled in that way and or temporarily disabled in that way. And she is just furious with her as well. And I just think, I I can't imagine being furious with a friend like that. If a friend had come over to be my nurse for free and they were having this moment, I would be embarrassed that I'd wet the bed, but I'd be like, I'm so sorry I couldn't get your attention. I just didn't want to disturb you because I didn't yeah. quite know what was going on. But I yeah. hope, yeah. you know, like, do you want to talk about it? Sorry, can we just, we'll deal with it. I'll clean this up. I'll find a way. Like, you know, like I, I just can't imagine being so angry with my friend about, them having that moment. The fury was absurd. My sister said to me like, it's so interesting that um, Charlotte didn't need Miranda's drinking to affect her directly to be concerned about it. Mm. But Miranda's the terrible friend for being a slightly neglectful nurse for five minutes. Whereas Carrie, when it actually affects her, is the first time she ever throws Miranda's drinking in her face. Yes, that's so true. What? It's so true. We couldn't understand... Last week, Jessica Regan and I were talking about, we couldn't understand. We were like, Miranda's drinking. She's, we never see her smashed. We never see her in, like making a poor choice. She's drinking like a Londoner. And, yes. <laughs> and nobody in London would be like, oh my God, you've got wine in your bag for a child's school recital. We'd just be like, oh great, can we have a bit? Yeah. Um and nobody would be like, you're having a cocktail at lunch? Oh, my goodness. Like, we just wouldn't think about that. And we couldn't understand why Charlotte was so concerned because it wasn't affecting Miranda in any way. And it wasn't affecting anyone else in any way. But given it's quite an American attitude towards drinking, Charlotte was concerned and said to Carrie, I'm just concerned. And I think if if you said to me, I'm concerned about a mutual friend because I worry they're drinking too much, I wouldn't go, oh, shut up. Yeah, exactly. It, I'd go, exactly. oh, uh, you know, why are you worried? Is it, you know, I wouldn't automatically go to that person, but I would be then on the alert. And it's exactly. true. Carrie's never been a great friend, though. Oh, no, absolutely not. And I do think what is frustrating is that the one depiction, well, there's two in this episode, but the two depictions of her, the revelation that she must, in fact, have been so smashed is like, she's like, it's like she's having the sobering moment with Carrie. It's like the big mistake she made was that she had queer sex. And it's like, really? And the other was that she ordered a book on quitting alcohol. Oh, yes. While drunk. So drunk she couldn't remember. Come on. Like, come on. Is that the drunk mistake you make? No. seems unlikely. Come on. It seems unlikely. I feel the same thing. I felt like, I think, to be fair, I don't think Carrie was saying the mistake was queer sex. The Carrie was saying the mistake was no, I know, but sex while you're married. I mean, she's one to talk, let's be clear. Mm-hmm. She was the big affair haver. Um, yeah. But it is true that Miranda gave Steve such a hard time when he had sex with somebody else, yeah. when they hadn't had sex for a long time. Yeah. It is a strange one because people like that often tend to be so rigorously moral about those things. It doesn't seem quite like the same person, but that's my criticism of Miranda's character through this whole show. She seems nothing like she used to be. It feels very invasion of the body snatchers. It really Um, does. It really does. Also, I'm sorry, can we just talk about one thing as well in relation to the sex? 
Nobody ever in the history of time has had the best sex they've ever had in their whole life, the most amazing feeling in their life, stood up. <laughs> it's a very good point. I mean, it's would you come point. on? Standing Stood up in someone else's kitchen. Behave. Yeah. Come on. In tracksuit bottoms, would no. you be well? Absolutely not. No. You Sorry. No, I agree. I agree with that. I think, I wish, I really wish they'd let us have that moment it could have even been if they wanted to make it all kind of comedy and sex in the city, you know, in a spare bed behind a curtain in a hospital, mm-hmm. but just not intercut with mm-hmm. somebody despising what they were doing or judging what they were doing or being humiliated because of what they were doing. And that's what it seemed to be. It was like Carrie Carrie was being humiliated because of Miranda's best sex she's ever had. Yeah. Standing up in a kitchen corner, it just... Do you know what, like, it frustrates me as well that, like, we had to stare down the coalface of, like, big pretending to masturbate. Oh, it wasn't a jump yeah. cut for that. But we, don't get, <laughs> but we don't get to enjoy the queer people fucking. Oh, for goodness sake. I absolutely hear you. I really think they were building to the tension of that moment. Agreed. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, can I? Now, I li- what I like to do, Catherine, is find allusions to earlier episodes and Easter eggs and, and they're doing, they're playing with fashion. Sometimes they pull out an old dress or, uh, and I think they're evoking something in an old episode or like okay. when she has a cigarette, which I think is the, was the link between her and big. That was something yes. they always did together. Yes. So this week there was another episode referenced and it was Ooh. very specific and it was, the episode in which Samantha Jones helps Carrie Bradshaw with her diaphragm. 
So that was season two, episode six. It was an episode called The Cheating Curve. Now, that's interesting that it was called The Cheating Curve because Miranda cheats in this episode. But this episode also is the episode in which Miranda owns and leans into her queerness. And season two, episode six is also an episode, uh, the first episode, I'd say, which was significantly about lesbians. Mm. So they're referencing an episode about lesbians and cheating. In this episode, Charlotte has an art exhibition at her gallery by a lesbian artist that draws in a big lesbian audience, very, very, very glamorous lesbian art collectors. That night, Charlotte's date is discovered by Charlotte kissing in the storeroom. And they start to have the conversation about, is there a cheating curve? Well, it was only kissing. Well, it was only your second date. Mm -hmm. So is that really cheating? And Miranda says to Carrie, when Carrie says, well, there is a cheating curve. Um, That's moral relativism. And the question that Carrie poses for her column that week, which was usually the way that the whole theme of the episode hung, was, is cheating like the proverbial tree in the forest, that it doesn't exist if there's nobody there to catch you? And she types that cross-legged on her bed, on the same bed she is sitting on, where she sees Miranda cheating. So in other words, had she not been there seeing that, maybe that wouldn't really have been cheating. There's no one there to catch you. She types it on the same bed. And if I can see that, there is absolutely no way that the writers don't know that. Oh, no, Um, absolutely. In addition, in that same episode, Carrie says that a friend of hers says, it's not cheating if it's below 23rd Street. Now, what this means is that if Carrie had stayed in her uptown apartment and Miranda had been looking after her there, would have been cheating. But her old apartment is on Perry Street, below 11th Street, well below 23rd Street. So by that metric, not cheating. Oh, wow. Also, the lesbian painting that is bought and and argued over by two glamorous lesbians Mm -hmm. uh, who used to be a couple and now aren't, but now best friends, and they argue over who's going to get the painting and for how long. It's a woman on a crucifix, and there's a slogan on the painting that says, Death Before Dishonour. Wow. Which I also think speaks to Miranda's previous feelings around dishonour. And Miranda, in this episode, says... I was a major lesbian in the fourth grade. Wendy Kirsten, we kissed. It was great. Wow. Now that I think ties in with Rose slash Rock because what Miranda is saying there is when I was a little girl, my first instinct was queerness. Yeah. But that that would have been the 70s. Yeah. When that would not have been celebrated, that would have been seen as, oh, it's a childish crush. It doesn't mean anything. The whole world is telling her she's really a straight woman. But now children are invited to experience and try on and feel and examine and be and process and check who they are and who they fancy. And so I think that line is very important. 
I was a major lesbian in the fourth grade, Wendy Kirsten. We kissed, it was great. And then what do we see her do in this episode? She finally kisses a queer person, a non-binary person. And it was not just great, it's the greatest feeling that she's ever had. Yeah. And so she comes back to this, perhaps her first ever instinct, that this was her first kiss. And now this is this is where she has come back around. What wonderful mirroring. But also I think that's, I think you've put that very well and is also true of a lot of queer people where their instincts as children are right and it's just about trying to get back to that and heal that poor, poor, poor child before they can figure out who they are as and as adults. But yeah, I think, gosh, they're as subtle as a brick, aren't they? With sex and I love it. I love that the writers are like, we can mirror this exactly. This is amazing. Well, who knows if they did or they didn't, but... Oh, come on. There's no way that's not on purpose. But it's interesting to me that they evoked the episode... That was called the cheating curve that was about lesbians. Yeah, There's no way. Yeah, that's also true. No way. no way. I do think also, by the way, um, Carrie being finally good on the podcast was bizarre. She has worked in sex journalism for how long at this point we're supposed to believe? And it took her being basically doped up to be able to express or to even say the word vagina. Yes. Yeah, it is strange to me, given all of the brunches that they've had and all of the things that they've said, that she's so shy in this podcast. But also, I keep coming back to, why does she want to be on this podcast? It's It's such a bad podcast. It's not her milieu. She doesn't need the money. But also, it's such a bad podcast. It doesn't feel like a podcast to me. It's hard to replicate a real podcast, I think, because a real podcast, the whole point of a real podcast is people really talking. And it's so clearly scripted. But- I don't understand why they want her on it or why she wants to be on it and why she wants to be on it when she's recovering from operation and she's it's on painkillers. So... I'm like, you just wouldn't. You just, if you're, if you're, you'd have to be broke to need to go on that podcast. And she is so wealthy. She owns two Manhattan apartments outright and she pays out of pocket for pot physio. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't need the money. That's going to be hundreds of pounds. Also, just a sidebar, I don't know if you've discussed this before, but I hate the podcast so much. Um, the button to scold people instead oh. of engaging with them frustrates me more than anything. And the fact that the queer person has to be the button police is also tedious. But imagine, but yes, you're right. She would have to be broke to be on that podcast, unless she is now broke because she's paying out of pocket for the hot physio. Don't think so. She's don't he's, think so He left a million dollars to his ex-wife. So she's absolutely catered for fair it is she's it it, it would have been an issue if he'd left her no money and natasha had got a million so she must have got absolute millions yeah and she is also selling their apartment which must be worth 20 million or something without any feeling and immediately is nobody also none of her friends are like maybe you want to hold on to your shared home with your husband for five minutes i can't I think they did say that and she said absolutely no. She okay. wouldn't she wouldn't uh she she wouldn't consider it. I mean, I know that they're they're selling it to move on with the plot, and I very much suspect she's gonna stay in that apartment because it's the apartment that we know and love her in. Yes. I will suspend my disbelief to have the apartment back and the, you know. I loved right. that the my favorite moment of this whole episode was that they I'd be desperate for them to push the time on, that they pushed the time on by three months so that she yeah. can Yeah, yeah, yeah get over big but that we saw her in the wardrobe with the heels on because that was her goal to get back in heels yeah and then she turned the light off and walked out of her walk through wardrobe 
And I was like, that's like the old Sex and the City. This is that what we've come my... to see. This is what yeah. we've come to see. I have to say, I thought my favourite bit was, I loved Harry talking about how humbling it was to be told about your child by the teachers. I thought that was such a lovely expression of what is so difficult for parents probably now. But also, I don't understand the schooling system and I don't understand why... I, I do the, the writers are all over the shop they're all over the shop the TikTok was mad <laughs> I did enjoy the sisters doing the TikTok together though that yeah, Lily knew the song and loved loved singing the song with her little sister because there's a big age gap between them that's true and that Lily doesn't go yes you should have talked to mom and dad about that that Lily's just like yeah she's fine she's making TikToks Lily's yeah they like, did a TikTok what's the problem unconcerned uh, and that it's only really a big deal to them uh, but I also did quite like that we got to see Charlotte grieving because I have a number of friends who have non-binary teens they're all supportive and there is a little grieving of oh well I had a daughter and now I have a teenager and they don't want the name I gave them. And you can be supportive and also feel like there is a little loss going on. Like, yes. that, oh, okay, I need to adapt. And in order to support my child, I need to talk to my friend about these feelings that I'm having and I need to process them. And I thought that was sensitively handled. I actually thought Carrie's line in response about a rose by any other name, smelling as sweet, was perfect because it was also still challenging that the premise of the grief, which is to say that the essence of the person is, the person mm. remains the same, but it wasn't wicked scolding. It was just a recognition and acceptance of of Charlotte's needs, but also of Rock's truth, which was lovely. You're it right. was lovely. And they must have been very pleased that they had called Rose Rose when they called her Rose, as at the time, I think they'd called, there was Lily and then there was Rose and they were both flowers. Yes. And then one of the writers in the writer's room must have gone, oh, Shakespeare, Rose by any other name will smell, would, right. will smell a sweet. Right. And they would have taken the rest of the day off. Oh, absolutely. That's a, that's a call for lunch at least. Given themselves a large cookie. Yeah, you'd put your pen down, wouldn't you? But pen I'd drop. be like, boom, mic, yeah. drop, mic, drop that mic. I'm off home. <laughs> It's no true. one's going to come up with anything better today. It's so true. Can I ask, what is the meaning of us continually having to see inside the dull sexploits of Miranda's teenager? Oh. Why do I need to know that there's strawberry flavoured lube? I, d I think it's to try and put a bit of sex in Sex the City. Although it's not called Sex the City anymore for reasons that... Well, five episodes in, we only got one scene so far. Yeah, that was mixed with peeing into a bottle. Um, Horrific. I genuinely don't know. I think it's just, hey, the next generation are having sex. But again, that's just, it seems like banging going on. It doesn't seem like, I am interested in, you know, a teenager trying to have sex with their parents on the other side of the wall. If it's done in a way that's, how does that feel to the teenager? Mm -hmm. But at the moment, it's just the mum and dad going, oh, he's just, banging, rattling that headboard mm -hmm. and we have to live with it. It's so bleak and Steve can't hear it so he doesn't even care despite the fact that they haven't had sex in years upon years upon years upon years. It's so odd. Yeah. I, so I'm odd. really going to be glad when they give Steve the respect of breaking up with him. 
Yeah, and, and just, also get, maybe give him like a right of reply in any context. He doesn't care. He's ready to go, I think, clearly. Um, if they haven't had sex in years and they don't talk to each other and there's no there's no bants anymore. Yeah, I'm maybe. sure he'll be fine with it. But I would like him to be allowed to have something else because he was he was the best guy. He was. He was the best guy. The one who you would at least think deserved some respect. So Indeed. frustrating. Uh, any thoughts on the outfits in this episode? Um, we had the opening silk, which is uh, Carrie comes in in a sort of peach silk dress, which according to the stylist Instagram is so old, so vintage, it was fraying around the edge, but SJP insisted on wearing it because um, it was very beautiful. And then Seema ah. is in all satin, just glorious, just glorious, highly impractical. Who cares? It's sex in the city. It's what we want. Um, Everything Seema wears is stunning. Oh, stunning. Want, but want, want. Why is she not in it more? I want to see her having sex. Please. I would be very happy to upgrade Seema into the Samantha seat. Me I feel too. like that's Let's what do we're it. being promised. Yeah. And I feel like she's never found love and is consistently dating on apps. Where is she? That's what I'm tuning in to see. Yeah. Also, I feel like she's the kind of advice giver that a Charlotte and a Miranda need right now. Yes. I feel like Carrie's keeping all the good advice for herself. It's actually quite rude. It's very true. They all need advice from her, but especially anybody going back into the dating world, which Miranda will be soon. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I really liked the combination that Carrie was wearing in the hospital when she met her hot physio. With the Birkenstocks. No, it was later. She's wearing tartan trousers. Oh, yes, I love. And a military jacket. And love, she's, love, love. She's wearing not a heel, but it's like a brogue, sort of white at the front and then navy in the middle. And she's wearing right. a navy military jacket. It's a very 60s flat. It's amazing. It's a beautiful look. It's a really beautiful yeah. look. Stunning. Um, and she just throws her handbag onto Charlotte as soon as she sees the hot physio. This is true. There's a big pink floral hat that she wears when she's under the influence podcast. of painkillers <laughs> on a the on the podcast. Hat, no less. Absolutely absurd. I am not sure about her hair in this episode. I feel that they could be doing better with her hair. I kind of love the return to her curls. The bigger Carrie's hair is, the better for me. I love when she's really, really, really big natural curls. I love it. Socks and stocks. Loved which it. Refers to Birkenstocks. Um, not at all her style. That's a bit of fun. But I adored it. I really didn't enjoy the judgment. I was like, would wear, do wear. I mean, yes, admittedly, you should take my bins out, but that's not the point. I enjoyed again, it's why we tune into Sex and the City. The heels that she wears at the end, if you go to an Instagram called and just like that costumes. Oh, I see them. Oh my lord! They, they are, are stunning. High. That physio's done his job because the they are the highest heels one can possibly imagine. How does she still wear those? My God! I don't and know. She's, she's wearing the most glorious, glorious uh, Missoni dress. Um, I'm, I'm also obsessed with her hair in that shot. Yes, it is absolutely stunning. She Exquisite. looks completely glorious from head to toe. She, she has really half does. her hair up and she's in this, according to the Instagram, it's bespoke Masoni, which you can see from the stripes. Ugh. I don't know who the heels are by. It doesn't say. I think they're Louboutins. It's a red heel, isn't it? A red sole, Oh, right? is it a red sole? 
Can yes. you see that? I do feel like Charlotte has to wear the same thing every single episode. Yeah. Charlotte's wearing a lot of A-line skirts, isn't she? Yeah, and sort of like short-sleeved jumpers or cardies. So when she's in the back of the bread van, Charlotte is wearing a black and white skirt. Yeah, that's right. But she wore a red version of that the last episode. It's basically the exact same outfit, but just different colours. According to this, she's in the back of the bread van and she's pretending to eat bread. That's (laughs) so clear that she doesn't eat bread. Um, Fair. Enjoyable that I to see her pretending to eat bread. Um, <laughs> I wish I only pretended to eat bread, but that's Same. never going to happen. Let's be incredibly honest. Oh my gosh, I forgot to say that I absolutely loved Charlotte saying um, that she'd been doing squats because she wanted to be, always be ready to carry her eldest child out of a fire. Yeah, <laughs> like, her heaviest child out of the, her heavier child out of a fire. Exactly. So that's why Incredible. she's been exercising. And that is... That's the love of a mother, partly, but it's also the work ethic of a mother as completely focused as Charlotte. Agreed. It's so sweet. And I loved I loved Miranda being like, huh? In the background, <laughs> like, huh? We're supposed to do that one now? Yeah, I think Miranda would insist that her son carried her out of a fire. Rightly so. He's a man. Agreed. If he's old enough to have sex in the next room, he's old enough to carry her out of a fire. I'm a feminist, but... Also, we're led to believe she'd just be grabbing her bottles and running. Like, so (laughs) the thing she really cares about. Oh, goodness me. I've seen a lot of horror for Charlotte on Twitter because she says, I read the Daily Mail. Can I just say, in defense of Charlotte, when Americans say they read the Daily Mail, they usually mean the sidebar of shame. That is the vapid celebrity gossip, not the right wing British mean and angry pages. She doesn't know who Pretty Patel is and she's trying to use her kids' new pronouns. She's not reading what British people think of as the Daily Mail. She's reading the international entertainment pages, i.e. she wants to know where Gwyneth Paltrow was seen shopping. Well, um, that was absolutely wonderful. Uh, Thank you so much for getting down and getting your hands dirty in this episode of And Just Like That, Tragically Hip. Um, Pleasure. Any hopes or guesses for what might be coming next, Catherine? Yes, I have hopes. My hopes are that Miranda has an open and frank discussion with Steve where he gets to say his piece and hopefully follow his own joy too. And then I hope that Miranda finds lots of queer partners who make Miranda feel better than I think that dismissive reaction after the sex would have done. I hope that there will be less stand-up comedy from Shay. I hope that they fire the male voice from the terrible podcast and send him into the wild. I hope that Carrie becomes a better friend and I my fear my fears are that they will not allow Seema to become the new um Samantha and that there will be even less sex going forward, which is depressing. Also, I'd love to see more where's the lecturer gone? Um, and yeah. how's her IVF going? Is she okay? Anyone want to send her a text? We're coming back to her for sure. For sure. I think so. I am looking forward to three months on, Carrie's in her fabulous shoes, the highest shoes we've ever seen her in, I think, part by, by, <laughs> by the catwalk shoes. And I want to see her back out dating. I want to see Seema at brunch 
putting Carrie on a dating app or many dating yes. apps. Yes. I want to see her get out there. I want Miranda to have the respectful conversation with Steve. I want Steve to find someone else. I want Miranda to have an affair with Shay and then other, other lovers. Shay, now this is something. When Miranda stopped listening to the podcast, uh, you heard Shay talk about being polyamorous and it just faded out. So Miranda didn't really pick up on it. So mm. I think it's going to be an issue that Shay is polyamorous for Miranda. Miranda's going to have to learn how to deal with a polyamorous lover. That's my 100%, guess. A hundred percent. And Miranda is going to become polyamorous. That's my guess, which will be very interesting to see dealt with if they do it in a way that is in fact interesting and not Shay being a full-time teacher. Uh, and I wish Charlotte many happy returns <laughs> on her best. parenthood journey. <laughs> um, uh, do you have anything to plug, Catherine? Is there anything you'd like our listeners oh, to see yes. you in or Please. You? I'm going on tour in February, February to June. My tour is called This Isn't For You, but despite that, I would like people to attend. Please, I start the tour on a two-week uh, run at Soho Theatre. So if you're in London, please come to that. And otherwise, I'll be all over the UK and Ireland. So please, please, katherinebohart.com. You can find tickets to my tour. Thank you, Deborah. Fantastic. katherinebohart.com. Do not miss it. A phenomenal show from a phenomenal comedian. Do you have anything you'd like to plug, Deborah Francis-White? Yes, The Guilty Feminist is live at King's Place in London on the 31st of January and at Vicar Street in Dublin. Hey! Your home... And your home and my favourite venue on the 14th of March. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, Lucky so Dublin. Get, get tickets now at guiltyfeminist.com. Cannot wait. You have been listening to the Guilty Feminist Watchers and just like that with me, Deborah Francis White, and my very special guest, Catherine Bohart. The producer for the Spontaneity Shop was Tom Selinski. The Guilty Feminist is part of the ACAST Creator Network and just like that is on HBO Max in the United States and Sky Comedy in the UK. Join us next time for episode five, Diwali. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.